Well, hello, hello. This is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is Q&A podcast number 19. Got six great questions here. First of all, I want to thank those of you who congratulated me on social media on my recent marriage. That's right. I got married, and I know that some of those among you are very red-pilled. And you may be saying, Jonathan, why the heck did you get married? Well, I actually published a blog on Minds.com explaining my very precise logic for doing so. So maybe go check that out if marriage is something that you're curious about. And I am, of course, in earnest, life hacking my marriage and biohacking the new Mrs. Roseland. few things to mention real quick. What you hear in this podcast and on my website is not medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm just an experienced, unlicensed, self-experimenter, tinkerer, extraordinaire, practicing free speech, delivering bits from my microphone to your earphones, and talking about my own extensive experiences and my interpretations of published science. I'd urge you to go check out my guide on how to biohack smart and safe. This is actually one of my most popular pieces of content. It's rather lengthy because this is a subject that deserves to be explained uh, in detail, which I do so in that article. So check that out before you put any weird chemicals in your body. And you should consult a doctor about any biohacking that you're doing. And ideally also get a second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion, get all sorts of, get all sorts of opinions. Cause often when you talk to a single doctor, they are just going to be categorically skeptical. And then I'll mention, I have a program which is, I don't want to call it cheap. I don't want to call it inexpensive. It's a very affordable life coaching program. And it's also kind of like a life coaching program for people who don't think they need a life coach. It's a very bare bone thing where I will have people that have perhaps tried couple of different nootropics, tried a couple of different things to address some sort of debilitating issue that they are struggling with. And they make a bit of progress. Things kind of work for them, but they run into tolerance curves. They run into diminishing returns. They run into kind of a glass ceiling in their transformation of where they want to go. And often what they need more than anything else is they need a bit of accountability uh, intertwined with expertise. They need somebody that they're accountable to. And you may think, hey, I've got my friend, my family members, I've got loved ones that can hold me accountable to, uh, you know, consistently practicing the habits that are going to get me closer to my goals. And 
I'd suggest you don't do that because when you go to a loved one of yours and you say, I want to accomplish this thing, I want to write a book, uh, run a marathon, get out of debt, whatever, they're going to be positive, of course. It's real unlikely that they're going to say, nope, not going to help you. What they're probably going to do is agree to it, but then it's going to introduce a level of unwelcome tension into one of your most important relationships. And you'll have to judge a bit for yourself if your relationships with, again, family, friends, loved ones, colleagues, business partners, if those relationships are really something that you want to put more pressure, more strain, more tension on. I'd suggest that it's a whole lot better to have a professional, to have a third party where you have an explicit accountability relationship. And that's what I'm offering. I have this program that I call Skin in the Game. And what you'll need to do is fill out a form on my website. This is, this is a great form. I would, I would go as far as to saying that it's within the top 1% of really great forms on the internet. It'll take you about 15 minutes, maybe even a little longer to fill out. It's going to ask you some questions that are going to get you thinking deeply about where you fail, about what your cognitive biases may be, and it also gives me the information that I need to know if I might actually be able to really help you. Sometimes people send this in and there's a quick fix, I think, for them, and I'll just email them with what that is. But sometimes it's uh, a situation where it seems like I can really help that person by getting on a call with them for about an hour, coming up with an action plan for them for getting over whatever it is that they want to get over, and then... You run with that, and then we touch base 30, 60, or 90 days after that to see how you're doing, to see where adjustments need to be. So you can find the link for that form, well, wherever you're listening to this podcast. The first question came off of Minds.com, my new favorite social network, and There was a person, I think a lady, and she was responding to my blog article where I was introducing my new book, How to Be Cross-Eyed, Thriving Despite Your Physical Imperfection. She asked me a pretty good question. I must confess that I don't really understand what drives people to announce themselves publicly and reveal their lives to the world. I know that sometimes when a person lacks confidence in themselves or has low self-esteem, they might seek confirmation and support or some kind of justification or recognition for how they are. But when an apparently confident self-made person projects themselves openly, I really do not know what to make of it. I guess that's not strictly a question, but I thought it was a good comment. So I wrote this book, and there's kind of two target audiences for this book. The first audience is people that actually deal with quite a bit of 
uh, pain and struggle in their lives because they have a conspicuous physical imperfection, either a birth defect, a genetic thing, or something that just resulted from this violent entropic universe that we're born into. And for that group of people, the mainstream self-help stuff is not going to work really great for them. And a lot of times, too, the mainstream self-help gurus are going to be telling them to just ignore their conspicuous physical imperfection, just act like they don't have anything wrong with them, anything that jumps out and could potentially be uh, unnerving to the people that they're meeting. And so I wrote this book because, as any of you who watch my YouTube videos know, I am quite cross-eyed. It really is very noticeable. I think it's maybe even more noticeable when people meet me in person. And I've developed a specific set of social skill sets and uh, different tools and holistic life hacking strategies to deal with this. And I'm really thriving. I'm really happy with my life. I've had an extraordinary life. And so I, despite, despite having this disadvantage that kind of keeps a lot of people mired in mediocrity. And so I wanted to write a book about that. And for that particular audience, which again is really in pain. Maybe maybe they're not really vocal. Maybe it's not really visible pain, but they have a lot of psychological self-torture that they're dealing with. And because the source of this is something that is so aesthetic and visible, I thought it was really appropriate for me to put my face and my image and my uh, media of myself out there on the internet for everyone to see. And I think that's something that can give some hope to what might be some really hopeless people. So that's why, that's why I put my image out there. And to answer your question a bit more generally, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, where you're saying, I just don't see the point of why all these people on the internet are putting themselves out there or putting their image and their face out there so much. Is this a narcissism thing? Is this a self-aggrandizement thing? And in a lot of cases, it probably is. Social media does do this incredible job of feeding our narcissism. But in my case, I do it so that I can prove what I'm saying. The internet is really rife. Uh, well, the world is really rife with self-help gurus that are pontificating and putting forward all of these ideas and strategies, but often they are not proving it. Often they're just putting things out there and seeing what sticks, seeing what appeals to people. And I feel compelled to share some of the very entertaining and humorous anecdotes from my life to underlie the concepts and the practices that I'm advocating. So please do check out that book. I have a couple of chapters that are downloadable 
if you want to uh, take it on a test drive before you before you purchase it. Next question came from a very witty Australian. He said, "Hello." Uh, he said, "Well, I hello, my friend in consciousness." I think is what he was saying. He said, "Have you ever tried or reviewed a product a product called Skywalk?" I asked because I've been thwarted by customs in every attempt to purchase nootropics in Australia. And then he goes on talking a bit about Australia and how they blocked nine packages of this stuff, Skywalk. And he said, hey, do you have any ideas for me to get my hands on some Nootropics. So this stuff, Skywalk, I have not heard of it, and I know about pretty much all nootropics. And in a lot of countries around the world, it is, uh, they make it quite tricky to get the nootropics, the supplements that you want in. It's it's really a, a bureaucratic problem with the world. I've lived in Europe for some time, and it's, I think, a little bit better here than it is in Europe. I'm taking a look at this product now. Okay, it has B6, B12, and a mastermind matrix of L-tyrosine and alpha-GPC. And then it has some other ingredients that are pretty typical of nootropic stacks. And I'm a bit mystified, Mr. Aon, that's his cool, that's his cool screen name, uh, why you were so interested in this. This looks like a fairly generic nootropic stack to me. And there's, uh, there's, these things are a dime a dozen. There's a ton of these nootropic stacks out there that you can try. If this gets caught on its way into customs, there's a lot of other options out there. For example, I did a preliminary bit of research on this and onit.com, they make Alpha Brain, which is not my favorite nootropic stack, but I'd say that it's comparable, if not better, than this Skywalk stuff. They ship into Australia. They are a major global brand, so I'm sure that they have legit uh, import and uh, wholesalers and all that in Australia. So you might want to check out, uh, you can just Google Onit Australia and you can see what they have available. I found some people called Optimaz. Australia, they sell nootropics. There is totalnootropics.com.au and then there is bulknutrients.au. And bulk nutrients is an option where you can select like individual supplements and you can get them as powders. So you can often get a little bit better deal and you can get like a three month or six month supply. And some of those things in Skywalk, like tyrosine and alpha GPC, I'm pretty sure you can get from bulk nutrients. So yeah, don't, don't waste any more time trying to import, uh, some nootropic stack that, uh, that the Australian, uh, imports office is obviously a bit suspicious of. And I'll finally add, there is a nootropic that I'm on right now, actually, and it's a nootropic that you can get in 
I think, almost any city in the world, and that is nicotine solution. What you can do is you can just walk into a vape shop. You can find them almost everywhere. Vaping is pretty ubiquitous at this point, and you just ask them there in the vape shop for some nicotine solution in PG or VG, uh, in a PG or VG solution. So this is a, a liquid that's like 5% or 7% nicotine. Typically it'll contain, they'll say like, okay, do you want the 25 milligram or the 20 milligram? Any of those are fine. You don't want to get too crazy going a whole lot higher than that in the nicotine content because it is a, a extremely potent and it can be addictive, but it really is a good nootropic. And that's something that I recommend because I know that there are a lot of people in that situation where you're like, my country just makes it next to impossible for me to get my good health supplements to me. And I, of course, have uh, my own conspiracy theories as to why they don't want you taking nootropics. But Luckily, there's a lot of ways around that. Check out those vendors, and you can also check out RuePharma.com. Again, I link to all these in the blog post for this Q&A podcast, and RuePharma is based in Russia. They have really amazing selection, and they have another, they have a sister site called Moss Pharma. I'll write that down. And they are being, being Russians. They are very clever, very creative and very effective at getting products past uh, imports in a variety of countries. So there's a lot of options out there. Check out some of those and you might want to also get back in touch with me and tell me why the heck you are interested in the Skywalk stuff, what your biohacking goals are, and then I can maybe make some more specific recommendations to you. Then we got a question on YouTube from Grant Griddle, and he was commenting on my paracetam video saying, will paracetam benefit traumatic brain injury to the frontal lobe from a car accident? I would say yes. There was a study, there's a couple of studies, but a notable one that I found was the consequences of closed traumatic brain injury and paracetam efficacy in their treatment in adolescence. Quote, the efficacy of paracetam in the treatment of the consequences of moderate and severe closed traumatic brain injury was assessed in 42 patients aged 12 to 18 years who suffered traumatic disorders one and a half to five years before the study. Adolescents from the main group received paracetam in dosages of between 1,600 and 24 milligrams daily during one month. 22 patients of the second group were examined as controls. The positive therapeutic effects of paracetam on cognitive memory, attention, and executive functions and motor coordination functions, as well as the speed of cognitive and motor performance were demonstrated in this study. So paracetam is a pretty great idea. Actually, anything that is going to support your mitochondria is going to be is going to be a real smart idea because when you have those kind of in injuries, it affects that really delicate 
chemical process that happens with your mitochondria. Paracetam is a mitochondrial uh, promoting supportive nutrient, and it seems like it's supported by the clinical studies as being something that could be helpful. I'll mention a couple other things that might be helpful to you. Cerebrolicin, and this is a an a intriguing nootropic. I have not actually used it because my research led me to the conclusion that it wasn't <clears throat> really a risk-reward trade-off that someone who is otherwise quite healthy would want to dabble with. It's a nootropic that you inject. So it, it is a little bit of a higher risk thing than paracetam, certainly, but there was some good evidence of it being real helpful for traumatic brain injuries. From a 2013 Taiwanese double-blind study of 32 patients, cerebrolicin is a nootropic drug that can significantly improve cognitive function in patients with Alzheimer's disease and stroke. Our results suggest that cerebrolicin improves the cognitive function of the mild traumatic brain injury patients in the third month after injury, especially for long-term and drawing function. And then thirdly, I'll mention memantine. And there's a study that I'll link to. You can check it out. Memantine improves outcomes after repetitive traumatic brain injury. Memantine's a interesting uh, smart drug nootropic that has a very unique mechanism of action. I mostly use it because what it actually does is it sensitizes your caffeine tolerance. So if you're a person that drinks a bunch of great coffee like I do and you have a pretty high tolerance to caffeine, every once in a while I'll do some I'll do a single capsule of memantine and then I'll drink coffee like normal, but I'll end up being really buzzed and focused as a result. It almost seems to like double or triple the cognitive effect that you get from caffeine, which is kind of cool for normal biohackers looking to just enhance their cognitive performance, but it might be really helpful to you. So please do check out, uh, you know, some of those options I've mentioned and then get back in touch with us. Let us know if it helps out. Next question, a guy said, Hey, Jonathan, I listened to your whole review about C-Max. You didn't bore me for a minute, and I love your dark humor. Yes, I do have a bit of a dark sense of humor in many of my videos, so dark that if you dropped it in a cup of black coffee, you might not even be able to find it, which I realize is not exactly dark humor, and my wife has actually told me that she kind of dislikes the dark sense of humor. And, you know, hey, when you get married, you start making some compromises about things. So I think if you want to really enjoy my dark sense of humor, well, you're going to have to check out the, the classic Limitless Mindset vids because I might be, might be pulling back a bit from the dark sense of humor. Anyways, his question was, can you dilute the 1% CMAX with water to make a point 
1%. Solution. Let's say dilute it into a nose spray bottle so you can vaporize it in your nostrils. Can you advise me on that? Yeah, you can dilute CMAX. The important thing is that you use bacteriostatic water, and that's what works with CMAX. You can even... If you can manage to get your hands on powdered CMAX, you can DIY your own CMAX solution. In fact, it seems to me when I was researching CMAX in the first place, that looked like it'd be the most affordable, uh, the most affordable option if you are a person that really wanted to use a lot of CMAX in the long term. Um, but it would entail obviously doing a bit of mixology in your in your kitchen. I found a bit of anecdotal evidence out there that bacteriostatic is not something that you'd want to spray in your nose. And I'm actually a bit suspicious that you get an increased bioavailability and effect from CMAX from spraying it in your nose. So you, you might just want to do it the way that everyone else does it, the way that they do it in the clinical style and in, in the clinical trials, which is just the which is just administering the droplets of it to your nostrils and then hanging your head back for a minute or two, letting it absorb there. I'm, I'm not on, I'm not quite on board with the, the shooting it in your nose. And when I was researching the anecdotal reports on it, I also kind of came to the solution or I came to the conclusion that I'm not really convinced of the value in the in the 1% CMAX solution. I read a ton of anecdotes about this stuff and I could not find a lot of people saying that the 1% stuff is way better than the 0.1% stuff. And it would, again, probably depend upon what your goals were with it. If you're using it to treat some type of serious condition, then you might want to spring, spend the the big bucks on the 0.1%. But if you're just looking to experiment with it for performance enhancement for those BDNF effects, just start with a 0.1% stuff and see how you do with that. Next question comes from Little Lulu. And she commented on the audio chapter of my book where I was talking about cooking, of all things. And she was saying, how about using grapeseed oil for frying or coconut oil? Does that make the difference? Doing some preliminary searches on this, coconut oil is regarded as the most healthy oil for frying, but I kind of urge you not to do that. Frying is a, a mediocre way to cook food. I, I think I'm of the mind that even if you're using a, a good oil like coconut, that if you fry it, if you bring it to that flash point, it's going to turn into something that's not going to be good for your internal organs. It's certainly a whole lot better than using the PUFA oils, but I would say try to fry infrequently, if ever. And then finally, got a question on YouTube from Warrior Styles. Said, hey, what do you think of inositol for treatment of bipolar type 1 depression? 
Also, what about Adrafinil for uh, treatment of depression, fatigue, in idiopathic hypersomnia? By the way, I don't take Boost Bar anymore, uh, which I answered in a previous Q&A podcast. And there's some good clinical evidence for inositol as an add-on treatment for bipolar depression. There was a study in 2000 done at University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, and there were, okay, 24 consenting adult men. It's important that they consent, right? Uh, that were in a study and it concluded that these pilot data suggest a controlled study with an adequate sample size and the appropriate rating scale may demonstrate efficacy for inositol in bipolar depression. The tolerability and the natural substance aspect of inositol may be particularly appealing to subjects with bipolar depression. So yeah, go ahead with the inositol for it. You also, well, First of all, for the depression, depression is a, is a squirrely animal, isn't it? Because depression, bipolar, these are a example of what's called phenomenology in science, which is where you have a phenomena. You have something that's observable, something that's emergent, like depression. And it's kind of like a check engine light on a car. It indicates that Something is wrong in your neurobiological mechanics, and it's really kind of hard to say what that is. Fundamentally, it probably has to do with something not really working in your, not really working quite right in your mitochondria. And I recommend often that people who are depressed first start with paracetam and rhodiola. Paracetam is a, a, uh, iconic smart drug. It is the smart drug. And when I was doing my report on what we learned about paracetam in 2018, I went through a lot of anecdotal evidence of paracetam, along with the clinical evidence as well. But going through the anecdotal evidence, I was impressed with the amount of people saying that it helped with their depression. It's a really good idea. And then rhodiola is a bit different. It is a nutraceutical. It's something that comes naturally out of the earth. And it is, I think, the best mood-promoting nootropic. And for a lot of people, it's tremendously helpful for depression, and it is synergistic with paracetam as well. So if you're looking for a couple of different things to try, inositol is fine, and then also check out paracetam and rhodiola, and touch base with us after you've used them for about two or three months, because paracetam has a short-term effect that's usually noticeable, sometimes within 45 minutes or an hour of taking it, and then it has an effect that emerges after you've been using it for two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months. So check those things out. And you also mentioned fatigue and hypersomnia. And for those things, I would not recommend 
Adraphanil. Adraphanil is a quite mediocre nootropic. It has this really steep tolerance curve where you use it once and it might help you, but then you use it again and its effect diminishes pretty rapidly and it has some negative, undesirable long-term effects as well. So I would say if you're looking for something for hypersomnia, you'd want to look at modafinil and armadrafinil. Those are the really potent, really effective vigilance, vigilance agents which will really fight your fatigue. And then if you're looking for something that's not quite so hardcore, but also real safe and demonstrated and a whole lot more affordable, you want to look at the herb Eleuthero or Siberian ginseng. It's really great for fatigue. So you might want to you might want to try that before you move on to some of the more hardcore nootropic options out there. Well, that's the questions. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jonathan and I look forward to a continued conversation with you. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.